Divine Truth Events These are events and presentations by Jesus and Mary. This presentation is part of the Relationship with God series. The topic is Understanding Your Emotional Self Presented by Jesus and Mary Magdalene on the 9th of February 2014 in Kentucky, New South Wales, Australia. This is Session 2, Part 1. Okay. Now we're into a different mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to work on this uh, stuff in the USA all morning pretty much and I've been working on spreadsheets and so forth and Mary's trying to communicate with people in the States and so forth but we haven't yet got a resolution. It's been going on now. I think the total time to resolve the one here in Australia was probably four weeks or something like that. We had everything resolved and... But the other one's been going on for a couple of months and nothing's getting resolved and there's all this miscommunication happening all the time and there's all these personal emotions of different people involved. And uh, <laughs> I say to Mary, you know, p- dealing with people in fear, you, you don't realise that dealing with people in fear is, the one, is one of the most difficult challenges because you are always working through the filters of the person all the time. Their field is about money. Their field is about what's good. Their field is about, you know, guilt. How people guilt, think of them. How, what people think of them and everything. It's just like constant. And so when it comes to actually organising an event, you've got all of these things all getting imposed upon the event. When from my perspective, it's really simple. You write one email to the venue with a list of everything that you can think of that you want. You get an email back saying yes or no. And you say fair enough and move on to the next venue. I don't even bother, don't even need to negotiate with them. It's, do they want to do it or not? And if they don't, then fine, move on to the next one. <laughs> and, and it's not really hard. Like I find things that go on for months and months, and they can be resolved usually in two minutes. Have a phone conversation, two-minute conversation, it's all done, you know. And it's interesting how the emotions get imposed upon the organisation of events because particularly the money emotions of the attendees and the, and the organisers. Man, it's just full on. Money emotions, man. People need to deal with their money emotions, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it's like there is so much fear involved in money. Yeah. Like it's inculcated. You think about most of the arguments your family had when you were a child. Usually it's about something to do with sex or money. Honestly. If you think about any arguments that are had inside of the family with, between mum and dad in particular, it's usually about sex or money. They might make it about other things, but usually it's about those two things. <laughs> you know? and, and it's just full on like how much, much of it gets carried into adulthood and how we perceive everything. You know? Just to give you a bit of an idea, um, in the event, the venue that we've arranged in Australia, the price of a cabin... Uh, sorry, a bunk bed, which is a very tight little room with four beds in it with no other thing in it and barely any room to manoeuvre, really. Um, The price of that for a single person to hire it is $1,000. With the meals meals included and everything else. So so we're talking meals and food included. So the food and meals and the water is is $40. So it's basically $60 a night. For the ten days for the for the monk. Now, if you just go up by twenty dollars a day, you can get a full cabin, right? With your own room. With your own room, with a with your own bathroom. You don't have to walk anywhere. 
you know how many people would prefer to book the bunk for the sake of $20? <laughs> Lots of people. You'd be so surprised. Lots of people would prefer to book the bunk for the sake of $20. And I'm going, what? what's happening with the love of yourself there? Honestly, it's like... And some would prefer to... A camping site is eight fifty, And you've got to bring all of your gear. And so for the sake of $150 to go to a bunk, for the entire period, that is, so that's like $20 a night as well for the entire period. Well, not even that. So $15 a night extra. You've got a bunk that you don't have to bring anything. Right? Just your, just your, just your, your clothes. Your clothes. Yeah. Uh, and why would you want a camping site for? I don't get that. In the, well, middle, of in the middle of winter, that's the thing. No heater, yeah. no, like, unless you've got a heater of your own. Then you need to add $15 to that to get the, the heater, the power. Yeah. That's not per night, though, I don't think that's for the entire time. No, it's, it's, it's per, per day. day, but per site, not per person. So, so it's per it day, but, but it gets mathematically challenging yep. for most. But, but, the, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, like, no matter how hard up you are, for the sake of $20... I can't understand the choice. Does that make sense? Just can't understand the choice. I and could understand camping versus bunk if you have your own van you can drive you up just and drive you everything in, set up. Everything's going I, and I whatever. That, I understand definitely. that. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. But, man. <laughs> and if you're really sincere about processing emotion, do you think you're going to manage it with another person you don't know in your room? Yeah. Probably not. I couldn't. So you'd seriously consider, if you're really serious, you'd seriously consider just paying for the whole room yourself, wouldn't you? Mm. If you're really serious about it. But honestly, money becomes the biggest priority for most people in their decision-making process. And you analyse your own day-to-day processes, money becomes quite a large decision-making point on, on any issue. And We were just saying this morning that... Um, we want to stay, like we would never want to give our travel plans to somebody else because we'd end up on flights at 6am or midnight or, you know, just to save a few dollars. And we, when you travel as much as we do, you don't, you don't want to do that all the time. It's but really like, hard so, on your body. So people in the States want to book a, a shuttle from the venue to the airport at 6am. Okay. That means you, you made the flight at 8am. Why would you make a flight at 8 a.m. for? The only reason why you would is money. Right? It's because a flight at 8 a.m. Or, or earlier is cheaper than a flight after 8 a.m. Does that make sense? But you, if you're sharing a room with someone else, that means you have to get up at 4.30 or 5 and pack up all your gear. It's all this unloving behaviour so that it incurred just yeah. for the sake of money. Yeah. You have to wake up your person you're in the room with. You have to go and have a shower. The person that you're in the room with is going to hear all that. They're going to be awake that entire time. Then, then the poor guy who's driving the van, he's got to wake up at 5 a.m. from Austin to get to the 6 a.m. appointment time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's got to wake, get up at 4 a.m. He's waking up all of his family at 4 a.m., you know, having a shower, doing all the other things he's got to do to get in the truck by 5 a.m. And you know, if you add up all the unloving things that are going on, just for the sake of a $100 flight difference, you've got, you got to wonder what, where our priorities are sometimes, right? Mm. And this is what we're trying to get at you with, at, to you over the last day or so about emotion, is you have no idea how much your emotion dictates what you do in your life at this point in time. 
And the more aware you become and emotionally expansive you become, you're aware of every emotion and how it affects every decision you make in your life. Does that make sense? And it used to, like, there were times when I was living in the past in my life where I've been living under the, the unemployment threshold in Australia. So, and quite, for quite some period of my life in Australia, I've lived under the under unemployment threshold for long you periods of time. The income. Uh... The income that an unemployment benefit would give you here in Australia. And, and there was a period of time where I lived uh, under it for nearly nine years. Like, for nearly nine years of my life, I lived under that. But do you know what? I still paid a guy to, to, to mow my lawn. <laughs> because I thought, you add up mowing the lawn, takes you what? Maybe if the average you know, thing, you've got to get out the mower, start her up, you've got to go all the petrol and issue, or, you know, get the petrol and all those other things. You do. By the time you add up the time, even if you've got a little lawn, it's an hour. Right? You've got to buy the lawn mower, you've got to maintain the lawn mower, and it's an hour of your time as well. That you, can't earn in doing other that you can't do any other thing. And at the time, I could, uh, I could, uh, there was a business in my local town, which was in South Australia, that would do my lawn for $20. And I'm going, $20 of my time, plus maintaining the lawnmower and everything, that's a bargain. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you go for that no matter what? <laughs> like, whether you're... On, on unemployment benefits or earning less than unemployment benefits or, or a millionaire, you'd still go for it, surely. It's just a bargain, no matter which way you look at it. And yet, the majority of people don't. They get out the lawnmowers, you know, save their time. And a lot of times it's not something they want to do, right? And the guy who's doing it often wants to. Like, he enjoys it, he just goes from place to place to place. And for two years, I actually did that for other people as, as a job, Right? did their lawns and, and everything. And, um, and I loved it. It was fantastic. You just go from place to place. But when it came to doing my own lawns, no, I had better things to do. <laughs> like I did. And I didn't, and particularly better things to do than get out the lawnmower, mow it, put it back, you know, maintain the lawnmower and all those kind of things. And yet we just don't think about all of those things. We, we don't value our time. And value of your time is about your worth. And worth is about your emotion. So, and, and basically, for the majority of us, $20 is worse. Like, you'd rather not pay $20 and spend half an hour of your time saving it. You think about it. Why do so many people go to sales? Like, it's congested. Everyone's there. You know, sometimes they even harm each other. You know, <laughs> in the States, they have these days where it gets pretty hectic, right? <laughs> and almost like stampede type thing and and what i find funny is i think they have that right after thanksgiving you know they have a certain so right after yeah yeah after yeah. it's like it's Christmas ironic isn't it year, you just you spent know? a whole holiday giving thanks for everything that you have and then, and then you out. go and elbow bar to granny <laughs> to get a bargain like, well, it's pretty strange to me and it's so much there's so much unloving behavior no matter no matter which way you look at it and and it's all driven by emotion. Like the, even the feeling of wanting to get a bargain is a major feeling for most people. That'll drive them to travel like... Like, for example, up our way, I don't know what it's like down here, but there's lots of these little town fairs, like town... Every, you country know, markets. Country markets. 
where they, you, you, you can get the local produce and go there. Often it's more expensive than in the shop. Uh, often it's in poorer quality because they've stored it for a lo longer period of time. And often the attitude of the person serving you is not very nice at all. It's not, you know, if you feel their attitude, you probably wouldn't want to buy from them in the first place. And then on top of that, you've had to try 20 more Ks and, you know, return at, a, at an unusual time. And usually they start at 6 a.m. Like, and to get the bargain, you've got to actually arrive at 6 a.m. And, and if you add up all of that, unless you really love going to one of them, why would you go? I don't understand again. Just in terms of worth, your own worth, like how you feel about yourself, why would you go? I, I, would, I value one hour of my sleep above that. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. One hour of my sleep is certainly more valuable than, than doing something like that. And we find the same with uh, people who make arrangements for our flights and accommodation. Quite often they make arrangements for our flights that where, we're, where we've got to get up at some 3 o'clock in the morning to meet this plane at 6 o'clock at an international airport, you know, that's an hour away or something like that. And it's just crazy. Like, we go, yeah, that's not happening any, ever again, you know, where we allow someone else to book our <laughs> flights for us. There's no love in the consideration. It's just money. So, so how can we save some money? Um, and to me, that again is an emotion that we're not feeling. It's, a, it's stuff we're not feeling. We're all powerful creators from God's perspective. We, we all could be abundant if we really wanted to be. If we didn't have that fear, we, we could be. But, but we're not, and we, we impose this fear upon everything we do in our lives. Everything. It, you try it. If you honour your fear with regard to funds, with regard to money you will find in the long run that you will have less money. Guaranteed. That's the way God's universe works. It's, it's there to trigger you, to help you work through the emotion. But when you start honouring every decision you make with regard to funds and honour yourself in the decision, honour your time, honour your effort, honour the people around about you and what they have to do for you in order for you to save money, when you start honouring that, all of a sudden money starts coming to you. Interesting. In their sense, and yet we don't believe it because our parents didn't believe it, and their parents didn't believe it, and and so we just retain another emotion that dictates the rest of our life. Yeah. So that's probably a bit of an intro to <laughs> what we want to cover with you today. So yesterday, so this is part two, if you like, session two regarding emotions and your relationship with God and understanding your emotions. Now, we've got a lot more sessions we need to do on this subject, we feel, because we feel most people don't really get it, even after we've talked about it generally. But, but let's cover a few basic things about your relationship with God. There are two things you need to understand about emotions in relation to your relationship with God. Do you know what those things might be? So two parts, if you like. So let's call it part one and part two. In a relationship, who's involved? I'll give you some. Two people. In this case, if you've got a relationship with God, who's involved? You and God. Okay. So part one has to refer to God, and part two has to refer to you. Okay. So, so the subject of part one is God, and the subject of part two is me. I want a relationship with God. Now, what, what is it, part one, that we need to know about emotions with God? Well, with God... Everything is emotional. 
Everything's based on the soul. It's all emotional. Everything's about God's feelings, God's emotions, God's... The way God feels is feeling of love for you. You can't receive that love unless God felt that love for you first. Does that make sense? So everything about God is emotional. Right? Makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. So if I am going to connect to God, if I'm going to engage the way to God, um, how, how is now my intellect going to function here? As a tool. Where's the Let's mic? use the mic. Where's yep. the mic? Yep. If we pass the mic back. Yep. Good, Eloise. Get excited. We love your excitement, yep. Eloise. My intellect's only going to help me as a tool to um, work out where I'm not emotionally connected to right. God. So my intellect is just a tool. Yep. Now, if I have thoughts for God, is God going to receive those thoughts and act upon them? No, unless no. they're with an emotion. Correct. So unless the thoughts have triggered an emotion, then of course every thought I have from God's perspective is your thought. You're allowed to have it. But it's not going to affect me because there's no emotion in it. That's how God sees it, right? Every thought you have right now that doesn't have an emotion connected to it, God lets you have it, but it has no effect on God until there's an emotion with it. Does that make sense? Right. So with me, what I've got to understand firstly is that, and let's change it like this perhaps, go, I am emotional. That's my focus. So for me to have a relationship with God, what do I have to do? I have to be emotional in my relationship with God. I have to have some feeling, some desire, some passion, some longing. That's why it's called having prayer is a longing for God's love. It's a longing, a feeling that comes out of you towards God, right? So the intellect is just a tool to help you be emotional. It's a tool for, to allow you to make logical choices and decisions, but bear in mind that they're not going to be very logical unless you're emotional. <laughs> Does that make sense? And, and a lot of people think the opposite of that. You know, many of you ladies are trying to be men when it comes to your emotions, right? You've lived in a world where, where the intellect has become dominant, and your true nature is emotional, and yet the intellect has become dominant, but for the majority of you now, you look down upon emotion. You don't even let yourself have it. You look down on it so much, and yet God created you in such a way that your nature is emotional, and you're shutting that down. Right? And of course God created all of us that our nature is emotional, but in particular a woman has more of an association with that, or connection with that, by nature, right? Whereas the male also has the intellectual part of his emotions in play, whereas the woman has the emotional part of the emotions in play more often, and, and yet you're shutting that down and becoming like men. And then you, or trying to, yes. It's not, it's not very successful. You can't change your body, because that's still a woman one. <laughs> and you can't change your soul's nature, but you're trying. Right, so it's very, very counterintuitive. So if part one is God is emotional and part two is I am emotional, then obviously the connection is this. 
as long as I bring my emotions into harmony with God's emotions, that is going to, be, in the end, be my connection or that will, I will become at one with God. Is that not true? If my emotions are out of harmony with God's emotions, then of course I won't be at one with God. So it's really simple as to what makes me at one with God in comparison to what makes me separate from God, and that is our emotions are different. Does that make sense to everyone? So if, if, if my emotions are different to God's emotions, then we, God and myself, cannot be at one with each other on a certain subject. But if my emotions are the same as God's emotions, maybe to a lesser degree, but the same in terms of its quality, about the same subject, now I can be at one with God about that particular subject. Does everyone get that? Yeah? Question? Finish. So can I just clarify for your, yourself, AJ, mm -hmm. there would be um, emotions in you that you are at one with God in Correct. presently. Correct. But you're just refining the ones that are left that aren't. Is that Yes, and right? in fact my particular problem at the moment is all to do with how I view myself. Right? I am completely out of harmony with how God views me at this point in time, almost. Does that make sense? Although I am more harmony, in harmony with how God views me than you are with how God views you, <laughs> I still feel like I am completely out of harmony with how God views me. Does that make sense? I also think you're quite in harmony with how God views others. Definitely. So I have more of an honour with God about how God views other people than I do with how God views myself. Does that make sense? So in, just to clarify, so in this process you can become at one in different areas as you progress. Correct, you will. In fact, that is the way you're progressing. Emotionally, you become the same as God on different subjects. And the more subjects you became emotionally the same as God, the more you've progressed. You're going through spheres. You're going through the spheres. That's what it's all about. Like when you make the transition between the first and the second sphere... You become at one with God about how God views fear. See, when you're in the first fear, you honour fear. You, you do what the fear says. You, it dictates to you something, so you go ahead and do it. When you enter the second sphere, you might still have fear, but you don't honour it anymore. You don't do what it dictates anymore. Right? So, so there's a big transition there. You've become the way, the same way God views fear is the way you now view fear. So you made a transition into a new dimension. It doesn't mean you don't have any fear anymore, but you view it the same way God does it. It's just an emotion. It's something that can leave you. Yeah. When you make the transition between the seventh and the eighth sphere, you lose all fear. So, that, so between those two states, the second sphere state and the seventh sphere state, you are working on different fears that you no longer honour and act upon, but you now release. Does that make sense? That's what you're doing between those spheres. If you look at how God sees free will, it's the same. If you look at how God sees truth, it's the same. The transition between the first, second sphere and the third sphere is a lot about truth. Your desire for it in comparison to your tolerance of it. <laughs> Remember yesterday we talked about tolerance, allowance, and then desire? Well, for most of us, we tolerate truth barely. Is that not true? You know, when someone tells us the truth, we go, uh, uh, you know, we make all these grimaces on our face and we're all just uh, pushing it away all the time and whatever we're doing with it, right? 
but, but we basically barely tolerate truth. Well, that's the first sphere thing. The first sphere thing is you barely tolerate truth. In the second sphere, you sort of allow it, but you're not really that keen on it. You just allow it, right? The third oh, no, sphere, it's good for me. Okay. The third sphere, you start to love it. You, you desire it. You, you, now, now, you could say in the third sphere now, you've become more like God on the issue of truth. You've received some of God's emotions about truth. And you've let go of some of the emotions that prevent you from seeing things that way. Does that make sense? So similar between a transition between the fourth and the fifth sphere, you start to have God's emotions about your soulmate. Right? Now you can work on those emotions earlier if you want, but the majority of people don't. right? And so they work on them in that transition. Because you can't enter the fifth sphere without having some of God's emotions about soulmate. Just can't. And so it's like God's just sharing, helping you share, share by sharing some of his emotions with you and there needs to be some allowance inside of you to receive those emotions, to accept, to accept the truth of those emotions. Does that make sense? It's pretty cool, hey, that there's someone that, that's who's just already at one away. with God on so many issues. That's just blown me away because I look at at one moment mm -hmm. and I look the totality of my errors mm -hmm. and throw up my hands, whereas if I've just got to keep progressing and keep stepping yeah, one, in, into one a thing more at loving... A time. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And as you do, you will make different transitions and you'll feel some of the major transitions because some of the transitions, particularly the transition between fear... And no longer honouring fear is a major transition. The transition between fear and not having it anymore is a major, <laughs> major transition. The transition between uh, allowing truth and really loving truth, that's a major transition. And you really feel it. You really feel it. Like It changes every one of your interactions with every single person. You can no longer have an interaction where you do not honour truth. Because you, you feel the desire to honour truth, but also you feel a terrible feeling when you don't. Right, and now most of you feel a terrible feeling now when you don't to a degree at different times, right? But you get to a point where every single time you don't, you, you feel terrible, and every single time you do, you feel great, you know, like you feel over the moon about it and what it accomplished, no matter what the results are. But most of the time, the results are good, much better than what you believe they're going to be, yeah. And that's just you becoming at one with God on different subjects. And eventually you'll become one with God on most of the subjects you can conceive. Yeah? But you still, once, even once you're at one with God, you're not, a, you're not at one on all the subjects God could conceive. You're in, at one with God on the subject of love. Does that make sense? So once you become at one with God, you are now at one with God on the subject of God's love and human love. You now have the same way of feeling that God feels about love. To a lesser degree, of course, because you don't have the power that God has, but you have the same way of thinking about it, the same way of feeling about it as God does. Can, Good. can see how if you don't value the quality of love or growing in it, progression towards God is going to be pretty tricky. It's going to be impossible. Yeah. I see a lot of people not valuing that. Love, yeah. 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 Every time you don't value love, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to make a transition in having some of God's emotions about that particular subject in your soul. 
And every time you have God's emotions about a particular subject in your soul, you will be happier. Your life will be happier. You'll have more joy. You'll have more satisfaction. You know, things will be accomplished more and you'll have more satisfaction in the what you accomplish in your life. That's an automatic result of that process. Does that make sense? So we've got to stop seeing ourselves as like, oh, you know, we work, 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 work. And then all of a sudden, we surprise, surprise, become at one with God. (laughs) That's not how it is. You can feel yourself becoming at one with God throughout the period on different subjects. And you can then feel, to a greater degree, the disharmony that exists in you on the other subjects that you're not yet at one with God on. But this is why I think it's such a fulfilling path if people embrace it, truth, really. Because you do have that, there is an increased feeling of reward and satisfaction as you continually grow. It's not like a marathon where you finally get to the lovely paradise. It's a growing thing all the time. And I think people who feel really disillusioned at the moment and stuck feel that way because they're not tru- excuse me, truly engaging the path. Um, because if they were, they'd feel change. And they'd feel happy about the change. Yep. You know, you, there's no way you can avoid the happiness because every time a change is happening where you've received another emotion from God about a certain subject, you're going to be happier. You will be happier every time. Yeah. So a lot of this is the way we see it. It's a, I often think of like becoming at one with God is a bit like um, probationary period. So the time from the first dimension to the seventh dimension is like our probationary period. Now, you imagine if you're a P-plate driver here in Australia, which is a probationary driver here in Australia, and you, um, you know, if, you, if it's the first day of your probationary drivership, shall we call it that, basically, you're not too confident, right? <laughs> you're driving along the road, and a car comes rushing up behind you, and you're going, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? You know, you're worried about what's going to happen, and then a car comes, what do I do now, what do I do now? And you're trying to change the gears, what do I do with that? You know, and everything's really uncomfortable, right? And... and and usually in Australia, we have a learner process, obviously, that helps us get rid of a lot of those things. But still, when we were the early probationary driver and we're by ourselves for the first time, you know, it can be a pretty scary thing, especially, especially if you jumped on a, like an American freeway you know, and then tried to get off at the turn off that's right. That, that's a pretty stressful thing when you're a first-time driver. But as time goes on, you work through different limitations and so forth and you grow in your ability and your growth in your ability means that you become less and less um, like fearful of the process and then as you when you get to the point where the probationary period is finished generally you're a much more confident driver right and things come naturally and things come more naturally everything's coming naturally the gears are like fully flowing everything's flying mirrors you know all those (laughs) things that are part of driving are all part of your consideration and it's all a lot of it by this stage is now automatic that's become so and that's the way it's going to be with God actually by the time you make the transition between the seventh and the eighth dimension you will have automatically you will automatically be at one with God on all the things that are loving so so you actually will have already made the changes necessary to make the transition in other words God doesn't force you into a transition unless you've already made the transition within yourself. You follow that? God does not force you to make any transition unless you've already... No transition is possible unless you've already made the transition prior to the transition. 
How can I illustrate that yeah. better? Um, let's say, this is what it's like. Let's say you're climbing a hill, right? Like so. Now, when you start at the first, at the start, you're right down here, right? That's quite like you're looking at the hill in front of you. You've got to have a pretty good motivation to start the process of climbing it. You know, obviously you want to get to the top of it for some reason, even if it's to take a photo. So there's some kind of motivation that causes you to do that, right? So you start on the process. Now, once you get to here, can you see, even though you haven't climbed the hill in the sense that it's completed, the reality is you have completed a third of the process. You've made a third of the transition. A third of the things you had to accomplish have been accomplished. Does that make sense? And then when you get to here, well, two-thirds of the transition have been made. You're still not on the top of the hill. You still don't have the full benefits of being on the top of the hill, whatever those benefits would be. You probably get a pretty good photo from there. You might get a fairly good photo from there, but you still won't get as good as what it would be at the top. You don't have a view that's exactly correct yet of what, what it would look like, but you've made two-thirds of the transitions necessary to get to that point. Is that not true? Now, of course, you could be just one metre below the top. You're still not at the top. You still don't have the view that the top has, but you've now accomplished like 99% of all the things you have to accomplish in order to be at the top. Does that make sense? Well, this is very, it's very much similar to your transition in becoming a one with God with love. So if you think of that, this is God's standard of love. This is the world standard of love that you've grown up in at the moment. And I put it in quotation marks because I use the term very loosely because it's not very loving at all. And each time you make a transition up, you are changing from the world's transition, from the world's viewpoint of love to God's viewpoint of love. And even though you might be right at the pinnacle, just about to make the change into the, being right at God's position of love, you can see that you've had to make all of that change before you got there without fully having the reward of being at the top. And it's exactly the same with your emotion. Exactly the same. I so love that God has such faith in our capacity to love that he created this whole way that we can learn through all these spheres. Yeah. So, so basically saying that the transition from the world's love yep. is, is it's a fully desirous... You have to have the goal that you want to be loving as yeah, God. as God does. And if that's not your goal... You won't become then that. You won't. And also the transition of, you know getting through fears and all that, and slowly become at one with God in idea or in feelings about yeah, feelings about topics. fear, truth. That's, that's all, all can be done in small emotional steps. Correct. Like it's all you're done. taking steps up the hill, sort of. It's impossible to do it in one great big emotional step. To be frank, if we tried or attempted it in one great big emotional step, that's when you would kill yourself, probably. You know what I mean? And even then, you still wouldn't be dead, but you'd still be pretty stressed. Right? <laughs> so, so the re the reality is. It's a physical impossibility to make an instant transition. Which is why God's custom made the law of attraction. To Correct. Yeah. To help us make Have gradual transitions. Yeah. yeah. So, so we need to stop being disappointed that we're not there already. 
we're coming from this place, right, which is a pretty dark place. You can't expect yourself to go, oh, I heard divine truth yesterday, today, I should be at one with God. It doesn't work like that, as you now know, right? It doesn't work like that, but, but the reality is we can't even expect it to work like that. It's not how it's going to work. And you can see also, just further to Fab's point, where if... Yesterday we talked about emotions as a means to an end. We talked about how some of us have... The, our end is just like, oh, I want a happy relationship or I just don't want to have any problems anymore. Uh, and in that case, love is not the end. So you're not ever going to reach this To this be honest, point. You, if you do it right, by the time you reach this point here, you'll have a happy relationship. Yes. Right? And if that was your goal, that's where you're going to probably stop. You know, if your goal here was to no longer honour fear, then that's where you'll stop. But even I would put to you that if, it, if you don't have the goal to really refine yourself in love, what you define as a happy relationship might be just blissful codependence. <laughs> and, and as so soon as you obtain blissful codependence, you no longer progress. Yeah, I'm happy now, but really it's not a state of love. Yeah. And, and really this same diagram works in the same way that we've been talking about becoming this truly emotional being. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like you guys heard the talk yesterday, you went home and went, right, okay, I'll do that. Today I'm an emotional yep, being. Totally emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a gradual process that we're going through. Mm -hmm. And there will be a moment, though, where you take that final step. And, and bang. Wow. That's when a large transition occurs. It's like making the last few metres at the top of the cliff and all of a sudden being at the top and being able to see. See, before you, when you're climbing a hill or climbing a cliff, you're very concentrated, aren't you, what you're doing during that process generally. You're not, you know, you, you generally don't observe as much of what's around you because your goal is to get to the top, right? But once you get to the top, often you'll just sit on the edge of it and just have a good look, right? And often that's uh, how it is too. Like you, you make the final transition, now you can see what you were really going for. Now you can see everything about it. But you couldn't before then. Yeah. So, so it's like saying that, even as you go up, you'll end up getting more love for yourself because you can turn around and look and go, oh, that's good. Yeah. I've come so far. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I'm going a bit further. You can still grow and desire grows and yes. it all sort of snowballs uphill. Correct. Now, there's a lot we can say about that. I don't know if we've mentioned everything that I wanted to mention in here, but if, if we can just check that. We have covered We're ill-prepared today. So. Um, but I... Just something to mention there is that um, we were talking before about how Jesus is at one with God on many issues. And so he can get up and give a lecture about all of those issues. Without needing any notes or anything like that for most of the issues, right? Um, just two, four hours, it's all there because it all, I feel it all. Yes. Yeah. And that's the difference. But you feel it emotionally. So, but someone could come to a lecture, sit and listen diligently, go home, memorise it all and get up and give the same lecture. Would they be at one with God on those same issues? No. So the key point we really wanted to make in here is that at one moment with God is emotional and never intellectual. Mm. It doesn't matter how much intellectual knowledge and lots of people have lots of intellectual ability to parrot um, truths of God, mm -hmm. but until they reside within our soul, that we're not at one with God on that issue. Mm. Yep. And when they are residing in our soul, they'll affect 
everything we do, the way we act, the way we respond to things, the decisions we make, if we're at one with God on that issue, we will be reflecting God's attitude on that issue. Mm. So. so any person who reads the pageant messages will have a great intellectual knowledge about some of God's truths, right? But it doesn't mean anything, actually. Mm. Like, unless they have felt those truths and felt the transition in their soul and it impacted upon their personal life and they've actually become at one with God on those particular subjects, basically, they're still going to be in the world's definition of love, which is in the hills. The, the very day, every day, they'll still act out their own definition of love, thinking that it's God's definition of love, but it's not because they haven't made the emotional transition. So um, can I just, is that, have we, there's other things we wanted to say there, wasn't there? About part one? Yep, both yep. parts. Oh, second part, we've got lots more to go. Yeah. Part one, just to summarise, yeah. we've said it's impossible to be at one with God from an intellectual standpoint. Yep. It's impossible to connect to God intellectually. Yep. The intellect is only the brain of the spirit body. The soul's mind is its emotional core. The intellect is a tool of the soul's mind. Do you guys understand that one? Mm -hmm. So the soul's mind... Is actually its, it's emotional, emotional processing core. core. You know, what, like what it does city. with emotion. Yeah. yeah. The intellect is a tool of the soul's mind. Yeah. Everyone get that? Yeah. Good eye. Okay. So if that's the case, and if we think of God as the grand emotional being, right? so, so God's not trying to have an intellectual like connection with you god knows that intellectual connections mean nothing right you don't feel anything with an intellectual connection you only feel something with an emotional connection of some kind and god knows that that's why god created this as this way as the way without this emotional connection with god there there is no connection now for many of us of course we try to have an emotional connection with god that doesn't work some spirits come along and they are happy to give us any of our addictions met so they we enter an emotional connection with the spirits thinking they're God. And of course, that's not what we're recommending here either. There's a lot of people on earth who think they're at one with God that are actually at one with spirits who are giving addictive emotions to them and, and they're just in a codependent relationship with the spirit calling himself God. But that's not what we're recommending either. To be at one with God, you've actually got to accept all of God's definitions on every subject emotionally. And particularly, as we pointed out, the subject of love. Now, many of the people who claim to be at one with God, they, aren't, they don't have God's definition of love in them emotionally. So the, the fact is, well, whoever they're having an interaction with is not God. It's someone else. Right? And we don't need to worry about that. We know that as we progress towards God, our definition of love will become more purified. And therefore, we will know at some point, we'll get to a point where we know straight away, yes, actually, and usually it's the second sphere. When we make the transition in the second or third sphere, generally, we know that we've gotten rid of pretty much most of the spirits who have been in an addiction with us emotionally. Does that make sense? They are no longer giving us the nice emotions we had and we no longer accept them anyway because we've already got God's definition of love on those addictions by that stage. And so we no longer enter a codependent barter with another group of people, whether those people are people we can see or not see. So, you know, you get rid of those kind of connections early in the piece of your progression. 
So you don't have to worry about, oh, if I'm in the seventh dimension or sometime in my future I feel like I'm in the seventh dimension but, but really I'm just connecting with an imaginary God of my own making or a God who's claiming to be God but it's just a spirit. You don't have to worry about that because that only happens in the lower spheres. And once you work your way through the issues of the lower spheres, those things disappear. Any sense? God's made it that way. So, so that way you're never fooled by anybody, <laughs> you know, unless you choose to be. So let's look at part two. There's a few extra things we want to say about part two. Yep. Okay. It's impossible to connect to oneself from an intellectual standpoint. It's probably an important point. Okay, so... If I'm not emotional, this is the thing we need to bear in mind, if I am not emotional, I cannot do a number of things. What do you think those things are that I cannot do? Oh, I'll help you first. I'll help you get started. You cannot be yourself. Can you see why? Because without your emotions, you're not yourself. Because you're an emotional being. That's why God created you to be. So without your emotions, you're not, you're not ever going to be yourself. You're not ever going to know yourself even. So what else can you help me with? I cannot know God. know God. Now, knowing God is about being connected to God. How do you connect to God? Emotionally. If I'm not being emotional, then it's impossible for me to connect to God who is emotional. So now I can't know God. So I can sprout about God, you know, like many people in many religious movements do sprout about God and all holy and everything else, but they know nothing about God. And proof of the pudding is, what do they do with their day-to-day life? Well, they go off to war, no worries. They go off, you know, murder somebody who murdered their child, no worries. You know, they'll even consider rape and pillaging under certain circumstances if they feel God justifies it. They don't know God doing that. You know, they don't know anything about God. And that's why these people who are often religious can often do some very, very dark things. Because they don't know God. They're not connected to their emotion. They're never going to know God under those conditions. What else? So isn't isn't soulmate yourself? You're never going to know the other half of yourself or yourself if if you're not uh, feeling emotional. So so you know all these people who go, oh, I think I met my soulmate. I go, you think you met soulmate? Interesting comment. But go on, let let me hear about that, right? Oh yes, this, that, this, that, this, that happened and I just felt, I just worked out that, you know, we were together then and we were together then, so it probably means that we're soulmates. So, so do you know or not? No, I don't know. So why are you saying, yes, you're right, you think you've met your soulmate, but you have no idea yet. <laughs> because until you feel, you're not going to know. You can't know. Okay, what else? Okay, so you can't know others. You can't know others. You know, some of you think you've got best friends. You don't know them unless you're connected to them emotionally. You're not going to ever know them. You don't know what they've done, what they've done in their life, how they feel about all sorts of things because unless you can feel them, you don't know. You're just hearing what they say and even half the time what they say isn't what they actually feel (laughs) because they don't know themselves either. So, you know, somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, I really feel like I want to do that. And I go, no, you don't. Why would you, why would you think that for? I can feel from you, actually, that you want to do this. And they go, oh, yeah, that's true. How did you know that? I said, well, how did you not know that? <laughs> and how we not know things is because we're not letting ourselves 
feel our emotions. That's how we don't know things. So if you're really confused about what you know and what you don't know, the problem is you're not letting yourself feel your emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, what else can't we do? We can't, we can't love right? anyone. Right. Definitely can't love anyone. Love is an emotion. And if you're detuned from your emotions, how can you love? It may, doesn't make any sense. So, so obviously we can't love if we're not emotional. Yeah? These what people, you, you know, I read things quite frequently about people saying, oh, love is not an emotion. We read a Christian thing not long ago where they said love is not an emotion. I'm going, what? Love is not an emotion. How did you come up with that intellectual concept? That is one of the most craziest intellectual concepts I've ever heard. That an emotion of love is not an emotion. Like, so it's a thought. This person was trying to say that it was a thought. No. You can think love all you like, but nobody's going to feel it from you it's until you actually act. Common feel it. in new age, some new age teachings as well. You need yeah. to be free of emotion so you can love. Yeah. It's not true. You need to be free of unloving emotion so that you can love. That's true. <laughs> yeah. What else can you do? Yeah, let's think even bigger than that. Yeah, I've got it. There's some big issues here of what you can't do. You can't grow, grow, that's true, but even before you grow... What about... You won't know any truth. truth. That's true. You won't know anything. Anything. You won't know anything. Anything. You can't discover anything, you can't know anything. I can't know anything. Right? Whoops, it's right there, right? Like, that's how global it is. It's not just know one thing, know another thing. It's know anything. (laughs) You can't create anything. <laughs> the way God's universe has been designed is that anything that you attempt to create that's out of harmony with love, God's universe will attempt to destroy it. Isn't that interesting? All of the laws are set up for it to not survive, in other words. So this is why everything that's created that's unloving eventually dies. So you've got, a, you've got a business idea that's unloving? If it's unloving, God's laws are already set up against it. <laughs> How's it going to survive in the long run? It's not going to survive in the long run. And you'll be pushing, 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 pushing against all of God's laws. Going, Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Push, 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 push. And then you get angry. Push, 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 push. And you're still not working. And you go, you know, eventually we throw up our hands generally. And sometimes these things have lasted thousands of years, but they still die. You know, anything that's set up out of harmony with God's laws is consigned to a death at some point in the future. And I'm talking about any concept, any idea, any creation, any action, any emotion that you set up outside of God's laws. All of them are consigned to get destroyed at some point in the future. How far away are we as a, as a world from understanding that? We even have a saying, all good things must come to an end. Which is the exact, exact opposite, opposite of the truth. <laughs> the real saying is, from God's perspective, all unloving things will come to an end. Exciting. Yeah. And when we say all good things will come to an end, well, that, that, that's not God's opinion on the matter. We're never going to be a one with God with that opinion. Are we? All right. 
So this is the thing is, what, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that it's not just a simple matter of something to do with your relationship with God. It's your relationship with every single thing in the universe, including yourself, that's affected by this. Mm-hmm. Every single thing. It's not just your relationship with God or your relationship with other people or you know, your, your environment or any of those individual things. It's, it's absolutely everything that's going to be affected. It's, it's your relationship with reality, actually. Yeah. You can't actually know what's going on around you if you just believe the facade and feel nothing. Because whole other things can be happening and are happening. And if you feel, you'll know what they are. But if you don't feel, you don't even have a grip on reality. Mm. Vanessa? All this fear I have about going insane through feeling my emotion, I'm already there, you know, like I'm insane. You're already insane, already. Yeah. So, so why are you worried about that? <laughs> it's like it... the conversation, it's already happened. It's already happened. <laughs> Stop worrying. <laughs> like the, the whole planet is basically crazy at the moment, right? Really? And all civilization seems to implode if you look at so-called great civilizations. Of course they implode because they're all set up out of harmony with God's laws. God's laws are created to try to attempt to deconstruct those particular things that humans have constructed. And that applies right down to your own personal life, you know. Like, you think about how crazy this world is. Like, we charge for water. That's crazy. Like, anybody who loved wouldn't charge for water. There's plenty of water on the planet for everyone to share, drinking water in particular, but any type of water, really... Like, but we charge for it. You know? Then we charge for food. That's pretty crazy. Why would you charge for food? Food's an essential. Like after two or three days, you start to starve. After three or four weeks, after two months, most of us would be dead without food. Like with water, it's what? How many days? Two, three, four days, depending on our environment. A week at the most, we're dead without water. Why would we charge for it? Like, that's crazy. We are crazy. As a civilization, we are crazy. We do a whole heap of things that are totally nut, nuts. And then, and then we say when somebody's talking to a spirit, he's nuts. You know, oh, that's a bit strange. The spirits actually are alive, and you actually can talk to them. So I don't see why he's nuts, but I certainly see why you're nuts when you're charging for water. You know, again, we, we don't have God's view on the matter at all. We don't actually know anything if we detune de- from our emotional state. We don't know anything. We, and we can know nothing, actually. And all the concepts and ideas we come up, which will all be guided by our intellect or our mind, most probably, driven by some very, very dark, usually unhealed emotions, and cause lots of destruction on the planet as a result as well. So yeah, many of us are worried about becoming crazy. Yeah, we're already crazy. We need to become sane. And why would you worry about that? Well, a crazy person worries about becoming sane. Isn't that interesting too? <laughs> That's how it works, isn't it? Like, we're all worried. Like, maybe we'll go in that case, you know, if we do this. No, you're already such. How can you go further down that track? Sure, eventually you could go become psychotic. That's possible. But not if you progress towards God. It's not possible at all. Yeah. No. Just that I'd share that um, last night when I, I, I know I'm not, as a child, I was, you know, crying over nothing, crying over nothing. Yep. 
And so last night I was just like, I'm just going to cry over nothing. Like I was just, I just had so much to cry about. I couldn't pinpoint it normally or <laughs> categorise. What am I... I found myself just going, I'm crying over everything. Like, <laughs> it's nothing but it's everything. Yeah. And I like cried for an hour last night in bed. Yeah. And then I woke up this morning and just did something... Like wrote an email that I've been that I never even thought would be possible even yesterday afternoon, yeah, yeah. and it just flowed. It just straight out of just you. Flowed out. Everything's easy after that, right? Yeah, but I never really thought that you know I could just be emotional and just let it like oh, it's nothing to cry about, but everything at the same. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. No, and it doesn't matter even why. It's an emotion. You need to feel it. Get rid of it. If it, if it's an emotion that doesn't belong in you, it'll go. If it's an emotion that's in harmony with God. It'll stay and flow again. You know, when I say stay, all emotions come and go, but the emotions that are in harmony with God will be felt more often, and the emotions that are out of harmony with God as you progress will be felt less often, and eventually not at all. Wonderful system. God's a wonderful creator. Very, very clever with the creator. You know, if you look at the marvel of the human soul and how it's been created, it's just, it's like, it's far more remarkable than our human body, how the soul's been created. It's just amazing. Can amazing. I say even, because it's exciting, but even when I was writing the email, I didn't even stop to think what word I would Correct. use or how I would write it. Because it just like, blah, From blah, start blah, blah. to finish, it Flows was three out. pages, and it, just, and it was all made sense, and the spelling was right, and I was like, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. Everything runs smoothly. Everything is, it just joins together seamlessly. It's just an amazing place. Now, you'll have glimpses of it as you deal with different emotions, but more and more as you go along, you'll get to the point where every single interaction, you know everything that's going on and can respond to them and everything. Does that make sense? And that will happen before you become at one with God. You'll know what's going on around you. you know what everyone's thinking about you. you. know what everyone's feeling about you. You know which bits are in harmony with love and which bits are out of harmony with love, you know, from God's perspective. You'll know what you want to respond to because you can feel your own emotions and what you don't want to respond to because you don't really feel like you want to go that direction. You'll know all those things and you won't be confused. You won't be confused, ever. Right. Confusion is a, is a place that's caused by all of these disharmonious emotions that are all trying to compete for your intellectual time. <laughs> yeah. And once all of those disharmonious emotions are released from you, it doesn't happen anymore. You don't feel confused on any subject. You don't even feel confused on subjects you don't know because you don't know them and you don't judge that you don't know them. <laughs> you just know you've got to learn something about them. You don't feel confused about them. Does that make sense? It's just an amazing place to live. Like. And, and people don't know how amazing it is to live, of course, because for the majority of us, we're living in this like insane environment, thinking that we're sane, and at the same time having all of these emotions competing for our attention emotionally and, and intellectually. We're totally confused most of the time. And then we wonder why our life's not very smooth and it's very confusing and everything doesn't work. Uh, and how can it? It's impossible to work under those circumstances. So, so go on. Um, this is a list of all the things that can't happen when we're not emotional. No? Can happen. No, that's right. Can't happen when we're not emotional. Unless we're emotional. Unless we're emotional. What is the only thing that can happen when we're living in our intellect? <laughs> <laughs> what can we achieve? 
from God's perspective. Well, not really, because uh, love, natural love is an emotion, so you're going to have to involve some of your emotions. Yeah, so even a person who's completely without God progressing towards the sixth dimension has to feel some emotion. Otherwise, they won't love. Sin, yeah, that's possible. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely possible. So there's more than one. But say Jesus and I are standing here and we're both completely emotionally closed and we have a conversation. What can we do? Correct. That's it. Yeah. That's we all can we can do. Share information intellectually between each other. That's it. Like robots. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Two computers can share information. <laughs> In fact, I've got a computer sharing information with <laughs> Teresa's right now. Yeah. Right. There's a computer we got in the States and it's sharing information with Teresa's computer and that's all you become once you become intellectual. If you think about the, your favourite teachers at school, they did more than just share the intellectual information, didn't they? They always had some passion yeah. for the subject that they emotion. shared. If you think about it, there's not really any single person on the planet who doesn't have an emotion about some subject. Does that make sense? It's very, I, have, I have not ever, ever found a person in all of my existence that actually is emotionless on every subject. Because I feel it's probably impossible, given the fact that our soul is created to be emotional. But we can be emotionless on many subjects that are painful in particular. That's where we choose to be emotionless, generally. It's the pain that triggers that. Mm. Yeah. So can you start to get a bit of a grasp about how big it is, like in terms of an importance in your life? Like it's much more important in your life than I feel most of you have been aware of. And, you know, we can talk about humility and what it means and give you all the theories about all those kind of things, but un unless there is some emotional feeling about all this material, you're not going to see the importance of everything that's being discussed even. Yeah, it's going to be very hard. Once you connect emotionally to the material, then you can have some feeling about the importance of it. Does that make sense? I'm always, uh, especially in the past, I'd be laughing at myself because we'd have a conversation about an aspect of truth or error that was inside of me. This is especially when we first met and I'd be like, yeah, yep, 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 got it, got it, got it. And then sometimes it was a month later, a year later, two years later, three years later, I'd say... Now I get it. No, I really get it. No, I didn't get it. I said I got it. I didn't get it. Now I get it. And that's the difference, isn't it? When emotion, you connect emotionally with the truth. And, um, but I, I would even say it went further, is that now, sometimes six years after you had that, I get it, you realise you didn't even get it then. <laughs> we, we were, yeah, sorry. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, because it was just in a, it was one of those buoyant intellectual with a bit of emotional realisation, but, but no processing to remove the opposite feeling. And so because there's no processing to remove the opposite feeling, the actual feeling of the prior belief remains with you, even though you've intellectually accepted a new type of thought. And that's a problem, because now your feelings are in complete disharmony with your thoughts. And, and that's a really difficult place. Many of you are in that place, right? Where your feelings are in disharmony with your thoughts all the time and, and that's causing a lot of distress. Mm. It's only when your feelings and your thoughts coincide and that can only happen once you've released the negative emotion that drives another type of thought. Once your feelings and your thoughts coincide, now you have, you know. 
That's when you start knowing things, really knowing them. I feel it's really good to honour that when you feel, ah, my thoughts and my emotions are in separate places on this issue. It's, it's important to honour that and to recognise that emotionally about yourself. Okay, this is what I'm aspiring to or what I want, but really where I am now is here. Because it's tempting to kid yourself. Um, very tempting. Because it makes you feel, you get all these other addictive feelings of like, yeah, I'm getting somewhere, or, oh, that was the, I was bad then, but now I've got it, you know. And, and it's all just avoiding other fears and judgments that are just things that can be worked through anyway. I'm much more at peace now, interestingly, with saying, yeah, I, I hear you, but I don't get it. Whereas when we mm. first met, I was very invested in getting it because that would make me a good girl. Mm. And now I have more of a feeling that God loves me no matter what my condition, and I just have to earnestly be honest about where I am right now. Hmm. Yeah. So often Mary says to me things like, um, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I, I know, I can hear the words, but, but I don't understand what you mean, you know. And you're not going to understand what anybody who's, who's progressed in and their emotions means until you've progressed to the point that they have. That's the reality. And if I can explain, you know, that, that's a perfect look <laughs> for the feeling that I have sometimes. In the past, I used to really grapple and almost like my intellect was a machine and I would get it to work harder to understand what was being presented to me to a point where I could avoid the panicky feeling or the confusion feeling I had about what was being presented to me. And now I feel because I more want to honour my emotions, I'm more willing to go, yep, don't get it, I'm not even going to try to do in intellectual gymnastics to make that, to rectify this disharmony that's happening here. I want to honour the fact that I need to feel about this rather than trying to use my intellect to dampen the feeling that I need to feel about this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Page. Page. So, as a practical example of that, yep. when Jesus shares a conversation with you and, and that exact thing happens, yep. do you immediately just melt into tears in that, I don't get it? Like, just the emotion, um, you let the emotion... I have. I, ha I have gone through that. But that's judgment, oh, really. Yeah, mm. I was, that's what I was going to say. The big mm. crying, I don't get it. That was part of me feeling panicked that somehow I'm bad if I don't get it. Okay. Mm. And that happens for you, Paige. Yeah. You know, mm. where you go, yeah, that, I don't get it, I asking. should be getting that's it. Oh. And that's a block that mm. yeah. you need to let yourself feel. So it's mm. good to cry. Okay. Um, so feel that if it's there. Yeah. Yes. And then. But, but now once you get, get through that, you won't feel that anymore. The reason, once you okay. get through the reason for that. So crying okay. about the fact that it's happening is not getting through the reason. No. Does that okay. make sense? But it is acknowledging rather than just intellectually feeling, trying yeah. to push through and understand it. Correct. To yes. actually connect with, I don't get it and I'm freaked out and the emotions here, yes. just let it, let that flow Well, that's fear. Rather. You're crying yes, about fear. fear. So cry about your fear but understand that it's not the real reason why you're afraid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's the block to you feeling. Now yeah. it's more likely that we'll have a conversation and I'll go, oh, I can feel the emotion that doesn't want to receive that. I can feel the error now. And it's less panicked. Yeah. It's like, oh, I really want to hold on to that other belief. That's why this belief yeah. is challenging me. Yeah. And sometimes that's emotional immediately, mm. but sometimes I have to sit with that because I'm already resisting it if you think yeah. about it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to clarify because from where I'm at, 
right now is if I had a conversation and something challenged me and I every conversation we have with you, Paige, freak out. exactly. Yep. Yeah, the panic comes. Yep. So panic, rather yeah. than intellectually trying to know, I can figure this out. I can understand yep. it. Mm -hmm. Let just let yourself feel, feel how confused you are and how, yep. how, how worried you and are. worried you are that you don't get it. Yeah, because yep. there's a lot of judgment in that. Yep. Yeah, and, and then that will. Yeah, if you think about that, if you do that every time we have a conversation, like the yep. other day when we were on the phone, I said, I think I just need to go and let you feel about yep. that. Yep. If you do that every time, yep. then... And that was brilliant because yep. that's the first time I've ever done that. Yeah. Mm. That um, eventually, eventually you get, get to the point where you go, yeah. oh, Mary's giving me some truth now and, oh, it's I'm not so panicked about understanding. I'll yep. just be able to just, receive. Yeah. Yeah. And once you release the actual reason why you get panicked yeah. about truth then you, you will actually love, you will lo love to hear the truth. Yeah. So most people at the moment don't love to hear the truth. It's almost, we have tolerance or barely tolerance for truth. Yeah. And that's because of the different emotions of error that we have within us that are surrounding truth. You know, usually every time we got told the truth when we were a young child, we got belted. Um, so there's a lot of violence associated with telling the truth. We also usually got yelled at. You tell the truth, you tell the truth, otherwise I'll do that. You tell the truth and they did it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of betrayal yeah. in feelings inside of us about truth, yeah. where we feel we're just being betrayed. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other emotions too, if you think about your childhoods and what's happened with response to truth. So, Being so, judged and punished as, a, as yeah. a, an association with truth. So those emotions have to come out of you before you're going to be willing and desirous of truth. Yeah. yeah. It is such Thank an you. awesome gift to have someone tell you the truth. I just and I I think back on so many years where I was like don't not another truth and now I think wow like Thank you. <laughs> I do. I say, mm. I'm so triggered, but thank you. <laughs> because and that's it, how I feel too, right? It's access to reality. Same. It's access to emotion. It's, um, yeah, it's life-giving. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. One of the deepest frustrations I've had in my own progression is that there's no one around to tell me the truth. Yeah. Because it, once you get to the stage where you love it, you just want to hear it from everywhere. Uh, there's plenty of people around who want to tell me lies. <laughs> But, but not many around who want to tell me the truth. Does that make sense? And, uh, and that's where I've found it quite difficult at times because you, if you're always discovering truth by yourself every single time, you can imagine that every new truth, and this is what it's like to be first, every new truth that you discover, you share with somebody else. So they don't have to discover it. They only need to work their way through accepting it. When you're the person who's discovering most of it, you, there's a complete, it's a completely different feel. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly before you're at one with God, because it's like you want it, but there's no source of it like, that you can communicate with. Mm. And so you're always having to go through... You, get, you have to be so much more humble, because you've got to see what's going on before anybody else can see it, really. You've got to see what's going on as it's happening. You've got to see what the law of attraction is bringing you every moment. You've got to be really observant. And to be really observant requires a lot of humility. Yeah. So the benefit is that I get to have a lot of humility through the process. Does that make sense? Because I have to, if I don't. If you think about it, like God's trying to communicate to each of us. But it's the level of humility that we have that will determine how much communication actually occurs. Right? 
Because God is like, this, is like a very quiet voice. God's totally waiting for everything to be in harmony with desire before we can receive. Whereas another person can sit us down and grab us by, you know, grab us like this and sit us down and say, you've got to listen to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go, okay, <laughs> you sit down and listen. But God doesn't do that with you. God doesn't have that level of um, control over you, which is, which is really great because it demonstrates how gentle God is. But God is so gentle that most people cannot hear God at all. You think about the world in which you live, most of us listen to the loudest person. Is that not true? Yeah. Like, you know, who do you serve first? The angry person, because they're the ones that you're afraid of the most. You know, almost every interaction we see with other people, we see the angry person gets the first thing in every case. And why has that happened? It's because it's the quiet, gentle people that don't even get noticed. Now, if God is the quietest and gentlest and loving, most loving of all, then you can understand why God doesn't get noticed at all and why a lot of God's emotions don't get felt. Yeah. Just an aside. Okay, so how are we at so far about the discussion? Yeah.